Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hey, Horror Movie Night. We are continuing our Fantastic Fest film coverage. And right now I am joined by Philip and Sarah, the team behind Found Footage Phenomenon, a new documentary about the history of found footage. And I've got to throw a confession your way. I was not a big found footage horror fan myself, but I found myself liking it a lot more after watching your documentary. <laughs> That's what we That's like a good to hear. Thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I assume the two of you are both fans of the genre, or were you just really fascinated by this, like this thing that sh seemed like it could have been a flash in the pan trend that just has like consistently existed for twenty five years? Uh, it's a bit of both, really. I feel like you can't say you're a fan of the genre because. The, all the films in the genre are so different right uh, so it's yeah. quite difficult to say that but I feel like I'm a fan of a lot of the films within the subgenre and but it, it was mostly the sort of the the idea of of the genre that was attractive to me anyway yeah I think Sarah was definitely a bigger fan than myself she definitely knew more about the genre in terms of titles she knew films I'd never heard of before but for me, the uh, the interest for myself was the the evolution, like where it started, like where did this genre come from, 
that was the, the biggest draw for me. For sure. It's one of those interesting things where it it's kind of like to, to say the blanket statement of like, I don't like found footage movies is kind of the same as like when someone says their favorite genre of music is rock. Like there's so many intricacies to a found footage film where it's got all these other sub genres. It's like, you just might not like the POV running in the woods camera shot movies, but like for me, I realized, Oh, I love the mockumentary ones. I love like the, the ones that feel like a pseudo doc where they found this footage, like Poughkeepsie tapes is a prime example. I think it's a, a masterpiece or cannibal Holocaust. Like those movies I think do bring a really interesting vibe that I guess in my brain, I wouldn't have immediately said, Oh, it's a found footage movie, but it, it definitely is. It's literally, they found footage is <laughs> the, the plot of those films. I'm with you in that. I'm a big mockumentary fan myself and they're the, the type of films I'm drawn to myself as a, a spectator. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's an element of fun to those. But there's even like, you know, where does something like WNUF Halloween special fall into? Like, it feels like it's a found footage movie, but like it it doesn't hit any of the the beats of what you would consider a found footage movie. Like this, this documentary had me laying in bed at midnight questioning a bunch of, I, I'm a, I'm a stats logistics guy and I'm sitting there like trying to like categorize like where all these movies fall in my brain suddenly after your, your documentaries ruined me is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks mate. <laughs> The thing, yeah, the thing is, I feel like we we didn't necessarily want to say where the line is, but for us, we had to draw a line. So, you know, I'd be open to other people saying, oh, no, actually, I think this film is included. It really depends on your personal opinion, I guess, because lots of films include found footage, but aren't like full found footage. So where's the line, right? Yeah, and indeed, because comedy is the other sort of subgenre or genre rather that has kind of tried to embrace the format. But because we were focusing on horror, we couldn't really go into the the comedies of the eighties that sort of adopted that mockumentary style, or even found footage at time. As I was watching a film last night, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah, a mockumentary. <laughs> such a good movie, and mm-hmm. it's such an underrated movie. But yeah, mockumentary, even you know. It even made its way into sitcoms. You know what I mean? Like you look at The Office, it's arguably like one of the biggest sitcoms in the last 20 years. And it's a mockumentary style. And I think that there's something to be said that we might not have gotten there if Blair Witch didn't like burst the doors open in 1999 and be like, hey, look what you can do. Like this is a format that you can do that doesn't have to be real, like an actual documentary. Like I I totally agree. I think something like uh, The Office, though, it gets a bit sloppy, just personal opinion. The UK version, like in the sense that they they sort of you sort of forget that they're being followed by a documentary crew. And some of the things people say, they just wouldn't say, like if there was a camera (laughs) there and you just you just it's not as. But I get it's totally the mockumentary style. So, you know, it is interesting where it pops up everywhere. You know, it's not just horror. I I think the big question that horror does a better job of answering than something like The Office or Parks and Rec or Modern Family is like, why are they filming this? (laughs) Like, no one can explain to me why they're filming this office in Scranton, Pennsylvania 
for nine years. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, the I can office isn't my, thrilling. <laughs> but but I can wrap my head around like why someone would continue to film aliens being loose in their house for like, hey, this is happening. Like it's it's almost like no one will believe me if I'm not filming it. Horror actually answers that question better. And I do like that your documentary dives into that that like you have to acknowledge it because the audience will check out at a certain point if they're just like shut off the fucking camera and leave then like you've lost the audience and and found footage has done a pretty good job of keeping you invested in that yeah and i think that is a a part of the filmmaking process that is unique to this genre and clever filmmakers incorporate that into the story so the best found footage works when the, the filmmakers have generally thought, how can we make sense of this setup? Whereas some filmmakers might just think, this is a cheap, easy format to use. Let's just run with it. And yeah. they don't factor it into the story. And that tends to be the, the film's downfall. Yeah, you'll hear a lot of um, some of the sort of less decent, I don't really want to say anything negative about any found footage films, but... Some of them, you know, you'll hear the characters saying to each other a lot, like, why are you filming? Why are you filming? Stop filming. We need to run away. And it's just kind of a, a bit of a lazy way of excusing why they're still filming. At least, you, like, having someone acknowledge it doesn't really say, yeah, but actually, but why, though? <laughs> so <Yeah>. maybe stop. <laughs> well, and, and something that was addressed in the documentary that I, I guess I didn't ever really think about, but but it is true is we celebrate. We absolutely celebrate when someone makes a movie on a micro budget and like, look at all the things that they did with their restraints. But then we treat found footage a lot of the time as like, well, that's just a group of friends grabbed a camera and made a movie. And it's like, no, there's even more uh, as much, if not more focus on like the logic of things and like working within a confined, because it's like, I can't just show this thing that I want to show. I have to have a logical reason why it got captured on film at that time. Uh, and I, and I think that that's, that's when you start to get into the really, that's when you get into the really interesting stuff. I think one of the reasons that I like the people found footage and then like a documentary crew assembled it is that you get that cool stuff where they'll pull like security cam footage and they'll come up with all these other ways to show you different things that aren't just through the lens of that single camera. But yeah, I never thought about how much time and effort and planning and choreography is going into making this work. See, I guess it's the sort of trap that they've tried to convince everyone that it's so realistic so that when you watch it, you think that someone's just literally run around with a camera and it's, <laughs> it's not like that simple. It's actually quite more, a lot more difficult depending on the film, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Like to do film footage really well, it should look natural and effortless. But behind the curtains, like so many people are just running around trying to make this film as natural and as perfect as it can be. Yeah, yeah it's part of the reason, like, why I like um, when you, you know, you mentioned the films that sort of start incorporating CCTV and things like that. I quite like that because I think it takes a lot it takes even more structure and planning to like cut away. You might think it, it is, it allows the plot to be a bit easier, like because they have more cameras to cut away to, but I don't know. I feel 
like you have to be a bit more creative in that circumstance like something like host where they were cutting back and forward from cat like their phones to their computers and it's screen life but it's still it still has to make logical sense of to why they're doing it so well, that I mean, that host is part of like this whole other movement that I never thought would be as captivating as it is. The movie that I think of is always searching. I remember when I saw searching, I was like, how is this movie going to work for more than 10 minutes? And it worked for 90. <laughs> like It was there's something so weirdly. It, I think it adds that voyeurism to it a little bit, too, which is is a whole new level now that we're dabbling into like the the whole thing shot in a chat room or in a zoom call aspect. Like no, you're, you're spot on there, mate. It started with the, the voyeuristic element of like, you know, the home movie type yeah. thing, that setup. And now it's evolved into, I want to see what these people are doing on their computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, <laughs> it's wild. Uh, I, I think that one of the things that, that jumped out at me, um, and I, I, again, what I was saying was there, I forget who the filmmaker is that says it, but they said something along the lines of like, I have to sit there and try to figure out like, what, where is these camera angles going to be and, and stuff like that. And again, it is, I think you did a really great job of writing a love letter to a, a genre that definitely is probably just behind torture porn as like the most shit on genre, sub genre of horror, but also really doing a great job of explaining like this format has been around a lot longer than when a bunch of people went to Maryland to shoot the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> no, and I agree. And I think personally, I think it might even be below torture porn as I think <laughs> at least torture porn had production value for the most part. <laughs> and um, footage just like has zero budget for the most part. Anyway, you're yeah. not meant to be shitting on it, Phil. <laughs> but no i i I appreciate that uh the the reputation the genre has that was something i came into the the project knowing that the reputation of the the genre is in the gutter it just is it's like i've said it before it's this generation's slasher film yeah in the 80s slasher films were shat on i love slasher films i'm one of those defenders i'm a defender no i'm with some footage it's I'll explain thing. to a million people why Dr. Giggles is a masterpiece. Like <laughs> I'm all about the, the schlocky slasher film. But I think what found footage has managed to avoid that kind of became the downfall of the slasher, honestly, is like in 1996, we get Scream that kind of like shows the wizard behind the curtain of slasher movies. And then you basically couldn't make a non-meta slasher film ever again. Like it really blew the show exposed those tropes so badly that like it became a lot harder to make a slasher film that people were going to buy into found footage hasn't really hit that point i think you tapped on it in the documentary that it's ever evolving as technology grows it comes up with a new version of it it's interesting that you say that because um you know i love the film found footage 3d because it's like makes fun of the genre and it really does it really well and I think it's like hilarious and how they they make fun of every single aspect and then but they also make it really meta and it's an interesting kind of film in itself and I think I guess the same sort of people who like Scream might like that but um because found footage is always evolving it's not that doesn't kill it stone dead and say oh we've made fun of it now so now it's dead because the ones that came after found footage 3D were nothing like 
the sort of haunted house ghost movie that they were making fun of. So, no, yeah, I, I like the fact that found footage three D took the uh, the two hated things at that point in time, three D <laughs> and the found footage genre, and just combined them together. So if you're like Joe Public, would just be like, well, why the hell would I want to watch that? I mean, until you it, find out it's a comedy. It's it's such a brilliant name for a movie too, because like, of I remember the first time that got announced when I saw the first poster for found footage 3D, I was like, that is a brilliant idea because like, why would anyone shoot a found footage movie in 3D? <laughs> like, like from the very start, the conceit is like, this is so dumb. But then it makes you buy into the whole fun of that movie so much quicker because of that. 100%. And I do say when it comes to parody, it's like the death kneel of a genre, isn't it? Once it becomes self-aware and it's ripping on itself, that should be the end of that genre. Technically, traditionally, that's how it's gone. But luckily with found footage, it just morphs. So it goes from, as Sarah said, the the haunted house thing, which there were so many of those things. And then all of a sudden it's kind of shifted into the the screen life technology with Zoom and Skype and Facebook and everything else. TikTok, I'm sure that'll be coming along soon. I and I it's one of those ones where you're <laughs> like I had an idea for something maybe two weeks ago and I'm like, I'm sure someone's already there. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's it's they say it so well in the documentary of like Host came out so quick. <laughs> like, like it's like you, as soon as you came up with the idea, there's probably seven or eight other people who have that exact same idea. And if you don't move quick, they're going to beat you to it. And you're going to last broadcast yourself or you're going to, um, oh shit, what was it? The, the, vamp, the zombie diaries. Like you're going to be that person who had the idea first but someone with more money got got just ahead of you, and then everyone looks at you as the the B movie ripoff when you were you were certainly ahead of the curve. But yeah, because you think that what lockdown was March, and I think that film was on Shudder in July. Yeah, June or July. Crazy, it was right? so fast. It's so and it's so good. Like I went into that movie ready to roll my eyes in the sense of like, okay, they made this in less than three months it's on zoom like even though i'd already been proven wrong by searching like a year and a half earlier (laughs) i still doubting thomas matt kelly just rolling in there only to be proven wrong once again because it was brilliant and it was legitimately scary and i was unnerved while watching it so i mean kudos to kudos to this genre i feel like when you really sit down there might be certain movies that you dislike in it but you really can't discount the entire genre because it is so varied <laughs> no it I amazes like... me Go on, i was just gonna say it amazes me just that people do just say oh i uh, hate fan footage because if you if you say that you're just admitting that you don't really know anything about the genre because there's all the films are so different like yeah. you know i don't yeah you, you can't and say that, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same with every genre, though, isn't it? It's like saying, I don't like sci-fi movies. I'm like, Are you sure? Because that's going to be a yeah. broad genre. I'm pretty sure <laughs> there's going to be one sci-fi movie you like. So let me ask two questions to wrap this up tied to found footage. Question number one, and this one's going to be aimed a little bit more to Sarah, but because she's already outed herself as more of the found footage fan. 
But for both of you, what is, do you remember what the first found footage movie you watched is where you were like, I enjoy this. Like you got sucked in. Um, well, uh, it's hard to remember because I think it's sort of a, an accumulation of watching a load of them and you think, oh, actually, I quite like the style. So I can't remember the first one, but I remember being at Fright Fest in 2012, I think, and seeing um, Frankenstein's Army and Dyatlov, the Dyatlov Pass incident and uh, Afflicted, I think, was there. And I just thought they were all so really good and they were all fan footage. So I think it was sort of around that time where I think everyone else was getting bored of fan footage, but I was starting to like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a bit older and geekier than Sarah. So for me, Campbell Holocaust, I'd say, was the the first but that just you know that's that's a film that you can't say you enjoy in any way shape or form yeah but the Blair Witch was the the first time that sort of style really shook me that tense scene scared the shit out of me as a kid (laughs) yeah I I think I'm almost the total opposite I would say I'm the reverse of you was like Blair Witch was the first one I ever saw but I was I, I think seeing that movie with a bunch of friends in the middle of the day on VHS is not effective. But then when I saw cannibal Holocaust a couple years later in college, I was like, Ooh, (laughs) this is, I mean, I agree with you. It's one of those movies that you can't necessarily say you enjoy, but the artistry in that movie and like, there's so much that can be analyzed in that film. You could do a whole two hour documentary, just analyzing all of the weird things about that movie, be it the juxtaposition of the music choices. And it's, there's a lot going on in that. The other question I want to ask you two is if if someone's listening and they're like, eh, I saw Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch. It's not for me. What's a what's a good deep cut found footage movie that you can recommend to someone? I know Sarah already named Frankenstein's Army, which would be pretty high on my list. That movie is wild. But Mine would be Lake Mungo and Wreck. Okay. Double whammy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you put me on the spot about, I, uh, recommend, I, I definitely would recommend Lake Mungo because I think it's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. So if you're not really into the fan footage genre as a whole, like, but you're a horror fan, definitely watch Lake Mungo because you don't even, you don't have to be into fan footage at all. It's so scary. You just, it just sucks you in. So that one, um, but for the style, I don't know. Uh, I really want to say "Afflicted" because it's like my, one of my favorite ones. I'll, and yeah, I I'd love go it. with it. I had never heard of it, so when you were showing the clips in in the doc, I was like, I need to see this "Afflicted" movie. So because they're so clever at how they incorporate so many different types of, and because they're filmmakers and they can add graphics and everything that I don't really know if many others that I can think of apart from the screen life ones added sort of the, the fact that they were able to edit as they were going because they were like putting up YouTube videos. So I thought, I mean, you could say it was a bit of a cop out, but I quite like how you can go that far with fan footage and it still be quite realistic. Yeah, no, I I think, you know, you talked about like, I'd never even heard of Megan is missing, but like the fact that that's apparently getting a second life because of TikTok now and like all this, all these different routes of, of directly and indirectly the viral marketing behind stuff. A, A friend of the horror movie night podcast is Chris La Martina, who made the WNUF Halloween special, which I'm not sure if you 
seen or know anything about because it's not that well known of a movie. But he made a found footage movie where it's that someone taped an old TV special similar to like a ghost watch type situation where it's Halloween night and like a Geraldo Rivera type character in the 80s is going to go into this haunted house with two psychics and everything goes wrong. But throughout the tape, it's just supposed to be that you found this tape. So it's got the commercials from the 80s intercut in between it. And like at times it just will randomly fast forward or rewind. And like it's like you're experiencing someone watching the tape. But he just made it with some friends and then put the movie on VHS tapes and traveled up and down the East Coast, leaving VHS tapes at horror conventions for people Amazing. to find. And that's how he marketed it was he wanted people to literally find the movie <laughs> and talk about it online. Very so cool. it's like the way that people come up with ways to advertise this stuff sometimes is so like you talk about it in Cannibal Holocaust. I'm pretty sure same thing with Blair Witch, where like these actors were basically told to not act for about a year and a half so that people would think they were dead. <laughs> like that's imagine doing that for like a Friday the thirteenth movie. Like just telling yes. the actors like people have to believe that Jason killed you, so you can't act in a movie for the next two years. Yeah, true. Turn out to Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the great thing about that one is that, that people actually believed it. So yeah. <laughs> unlike later on, they're never gonna believe you. Oh my god! I remember, I remember when the trailer for Blair Witch first came out. I was at my aunt's house, and my family called me in, and we're like, "You're not going to believe this!" And they're like, "Because they bought it hook, line, and sinker." And I was even as a kid, I was like, "I don't know if they can just release that." Like, <laughs> I was the same man. I was on that website like religiously <laughs> trying to get as much info as I could about the missing like filmmakers. So it was so brilliant. And that is, again, like they you say in the doc, like that, that worked because the internet was still so new. Like now it takes like three Google searches and you're like, oh, that's this actress. They appeared in like this thing a couple of, like you're just the, the everything is, everything is too overexposed at this point now. But Indeed. yeah, it's I think it's well to relive that. <laughs> yeah, I think Patrick Bryce, uh, who, the director of Creep, who says in our film that basically you have to sort of go into them the, now with the buy-in that you're going to sort of just go with the fact that they're trying to tell you it's a real story and not go away and then Google the, the actors. Yeah. I mean, maybe do it after if you're really convinced, but like not yeah. during the film, <laughs> just watch the film. <laughs> it's, you know, people can shut off their brains enough to believe that dragons exist in the world of Game of Thrones <laughs> or like buy into a good wrestling match. I don't understand how they can't just buy into an 80 minute found footage movie. <laughs> like just shut your brain off. Stop being so analytical and, and have a good time with it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're watching a film. It's not real. You don't have to be sitting there going, this is not realistic. <laughs> yeah. Who, no, no, I don't no. want to meet the person that's like, I thought that I was getting a snuff film and instead I just got a found footage. <laughs> got a regular not, movie. Yeah. No not, stars. Not a friend of yeah, not a friend I would like to have. This didn't actually happen. <laughs> oh God. Uh well, again, amazing doc. Uh for the people who are listening, where can they go to see it? Is it playing at any other festivals? Or is there a good spot for them to go so when it's more readily available for them, they know that they can go down, you know, get it on a VOD or pick up even a DVD or Blu-ray, maybe for the people like me who still buy those things. Well, the uh, the next festival is Citrus in a couple of weeks, actually. So when's that? The 13th and the 17th is showing, right? Yeah. 
yeah so that's the next i'm not sure if any any fans out there in sitches want to go to that but <laughs> <laughs> it's a great from, festival if you should yeah <laughs> but apart from that we we you know we're like this close to to being able to talk about our distribution but we can't just write just yet so is there a is there a social where people can go to so when you are allowed to talk about distribution they'll be first to know yeah we have a twitter page that's like at fountain phenomenon so if you want to follow that that would be place to be and there's a a facebook page and a instagram page i can't remember the handles i think it's at the found footage phenom maybe Stuff like that. Yeah, I'll, just Google I'll it. find them. I'll find them and put them in the notes for yeah, Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah and Philip. And we'll be back with. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. More fantastic coverage throughout the week. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 